We have a game of the year candidate after two weeks, the Vikings kicker curse continues, and Aaron Rodgers finally remembered that he is, in fact, Aaron Rodgers. Welcome back to Hail Marys and Hoops. I'm your host, Jeff Pratt. I'm a fantasy analyst over at Primetime Sports Talk and a DraftKings social and content intern. We've got a lot to catch up on from the last week while also previewing the upcoming Week 3 slate. Welcome to the first episode of Sunday Superlatives, a weekly show featuring this wonderful crew that joins me right here, Jeremy Guerin, Anton Lee, and Dr. Lauren Anderson. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, you're seeing our beautiful faces for the first time. So welcome. Let's jump right into the week two recap and break down our favorite games of the week. Starting with Jeremy, welcome back to the show and happy birthday to you on his 21st birthday, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Garen is joining us instead of partaking in other activities. Respect the grind. Jeremy, welcome back to the show as always. Yeah, I'll let the like the three people who watch this video the first uh, like the first week that it goes up take from that what you will as to what those <laughs> activities would be. All right. So in terms of best game, because I'm assuming that's what we're starting with here. Yes. Um, there is an easy one on the board. I'm going to go and spotlight some other games and I'll let somebody take the obvious later on. Uh, the 4 p.m. window, that by far was the best window of football. You had four games. One of them was a blowout. The Bucks blew out the Falcons. The other three games were good. Cowboys, Chargers, eh, a lot of turnovers. was a tight game, so it was exciting with a game-winning field goal, but not the game that I'm going to talk about. It was the other two. Vikings, Cardinals, Seahawks, Titans. Both of those games were back and forth, down to the wire. Uh, if I had to choose my favorite game, I'm going to choose the, t- uh, the game in which my team didn't lose. Um, so I'm going to take the Seahawks and the Titans. Derrick Henry, I mean, my monster, word. a modern monster. day Adonis, if you've ever seen one. That dude is two fridges built on top of each other and a walking condominium just steamrolling through defenders. It doesn't matter. And his speed is just something that you don't expect. He can pull away from guys, and that's the best part of his game. He ran roughshod over that Seahawks defense, which is what I was hoping for when I picked the Titans last week. Um, Tannehill was all right. Julio Jones got robbed of a touchdown, but overall what this showed me is that, yeah, the Titans offense, it was a hiccup in week one, but they, they, they can figure things out. They didn't have Taylor Lewan in this game. And I know the Seahawks defense is a little bit porous, but you know what? Kudos to you. That's, it's a really hard place to win up in Seattle, especially with the turn the return of the 12th man for the first time in a couple of years. And I thought the Titans definitely proved themselves more than capable of going on the road and knocking off a team in the playoffs. If you can win in Seattle, where I believe Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson had won their last five home openers. I saw a stat like that on the broadcast. I don't remember the exact number, but I think that's correct. Uh, You can win almost anywhere. Fair enough. Opting not to take the obvious candidate. I'm sure one of us will touch on that. Anton. I'm going to throw it to you next. Notorious Browns fan over here, as you can see by his jersey. Did you choose your boys for your favorite game of the week? I got to be honest. I did not pick my Cleveland Browns as the uh, as the game of the week because, honestly, the game was not that exciting. I felt the Browns were actually a little bit disappointing uh, this week. Even though we did win, um, it was just disappointing that their defense didn't really come through. But I'm, aside from the Browns talk, 
my game of the week is actually the first game of this of week two, which was the Giants and the Washington football team on you Thursday night. Mine. Well, I'm sorry, but great minds think alike, I suppose. I like I love this game for many reasons. I just I've always since last since the playoffs last year, I've always been a big fan of Taylor Heineke. I mean, he's a guy you can totally root for. Came off the street literally in his first NFL start, battles it out with Tom Brady. I mean, could you ask for a better storyline? He, you know, and one thing is that he, no one really expected him to play because uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was a, was a starting quarterback, and then obviously he got hurt. And now Tyler Hane- Taylor Heineke has another opportunity to, you know, make his name known. And he did a great job on Thursday night. Um, he had that really costly interception at the end, but somehow, somehow, the, the Washington football team still won. Um, it was pretty amazing to watch. There were so many ups and downs in that game. But what I what I think I took away from that game was that the Giants totally should have won that game. And what was really exciting for me was that they were they were up by so much and still they managed to fumble it all away. And I think that's just a great, great example of the the beauty of football, the beauty of sports. It's not over till it's over. So I'm going to go with the Giants and the Washington football team, my favorite game of the week, because it just had everything. It had a great ending. They always come down to the kicker. I love when it comes down to the kicker. So Giants, Giants, Washington football team. You may be the only person in the world and definitely the only person on this show to say that, especially because we got a Bears fan in the house. I like it when it comes down to the kicker. Ooh, yay. <laughs> yeah. Cody I, Go it's interesting, right? <laughs> that game that game was wildly entertaining. You had a couple of surprise performers headlined by none other than Daniel Jones, who came out and looked like I tweeted out after he had that crazy run for a touchdown that ended up being called back that this man is dollar store Josh Allen. And then he continues to do it for the rest of the game. I'm like, you know what? Josh Allen might just be dollar store Daniel Jones if he keeps this up. So phenomenal game. uh, I think he actually had his, he definitely had his best game he's ever played as a giant. No, no question. He looked really composed and like he was making quick decisions. I think, you know, this is definitely the game where if I'm a Giants fan, I see, you know what? I have some hope. I have some hope that Daniel Jones can actually work out. Sure. All right, Doc, you chose this game as well. You touched on it. I did. Uh, like everything that Anton said, I thought that Heineke looked really good, especially considering it's what his third career NFL start. So first win as a starter, which was great. And I actually thought both quarterbacks looked really great. Daniel Jones looked great, but there were just way too many mistakes from the Giants to pull that off. I mean, we talked about Slayton. I know, Jeremy, you're a big Slayton fan. <laughs> the, that uh, drop ball, uh, though. Stone hands, stone hands McGee in the end zone. Wow. So bad. Playing like then- the Liberty Bell, why don't you? <laughs> And I know you can't say that a single player loses a game, but man, Dexter Lawrence with that offsides, you just can't make that mistake. It's such a crucial part in the game. So giving Hopkins one more chance to kick that game-winning drive, I mean, overall it was a really exciting game down to the last second, and I do love seeing games go down to the last second with the game-winning field goal. Oh, you stop, stop, stop talking out of both sides of your mouth. You watch the Bears choke away a playoff game on that. We're not going to talk no. about Cody Parkey on this. <laughs> oh, Bra- Anton, isn't he your kicker now? No, uh, Cody, Parkey, I don't know if they- Cody Parkey lost the job to Chase McLaughlin. So 
Cody Parker is currently geez. out of a job, but he was a very good kicker for the Browns last year. I'm not going to lie. So what I rather I burn alive or, get, or drown. And those are the two options with those two kickers. All right. Fair enough. So surprisingly, at least to my surprise, no one touched on, as I mentioned in the intro, the game of the year candidate here. So if you're going to leave it up to me, I will talk about the Baltimore Ravens being the Kansas city chiefs. You know, a lot of people thought that Baltimore was dead in the water after their week one loss to the Raiders, especially coming off of so many key injuries and, and their key players being lost to these season ending injuries. But what happened in week two, they just happened to beat the perennial Super Bowl contenders as of late, you know, a bunch of people, including a few chiefs said that they were going to go undefeated this year. And Lamar Jackson made sure that didn't happen. He set the NFL record with his fourth 200, 200 passing yard game with hundred rushing yards on top of it. He is, Probably at this point in his career, as crazy as it is to say, the best dual threat quarterback the game has ever seen. And that was a huge performance. And you also had that cool moment where Harbaugh asked Lamar, hey, do you want to go for it? Lamar says, hell yeah, I want to go for it. It's always cool to see uh, trust within that coach, even as someone who's not a big Ravens fan. I know Jeremy's definitely not a big Ravens fan. I don't believe any of us here are big Ravens fans. I also don't think that that was a good move by Harbaugh. I I thought it was cool. I I think it's always nice when your coach has trust in your franchise quarterback. I understand the argument that the coach should be making those calls. It should be on him. But I think when you have a relationship like those two clearly do, you're willing to bounce opinions off of each other like that. I I like to see. You also just can't. You just can't give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes in that scenario. I just don't see that as a as like you want to win on your terms. You can't just let Patrick Mahomes trust your defense. I say you got to win that with Lamar. And I'd still say, I'd still say, despite Marcus Peters being out, the defense played incredibly well on Sunday night. And there was no reason that you shouldn't have trusted them going down the stretch, especially after they forced the fumble on Edward Zelaer. Again, the Chiefs shot themselves in the foot way too many times in this game for me to confidently say that they would have gone down and scored had the Ravens decided to punt it away with their all pro punter. Um, the, the decision to take the ball out of Mahomes' hands with under two minutes to go still confuses the living crap out of me. What are you doing? You have an all you have a, a consensus top two tight end in the game in Travis Kelsey. Uh, guys, one. some some people not no, no, George Kittle. Uh guy George Kittle um, is George Kittle looks like he might be the fourth best tight end of the league this year. I'm still rolling with him because I don't like Kelsey. Um, a guy who many consider to be the top wide receiver in the game in Tyreek Hill, which I don't agree with that either, but to, to each his own. I prefer Devontae Adams. That Time being out. said, how do you not like Kelsey? Why would I like Kelsey? Because he's the best tight end in the league. He's an arrogant tool. He threw a shoe in one oh game. Oh my goodness! And got ejected oh for it. Rightfully, I think so. if there's anything we've we've seen throughout this podcast is that if you think there is a consensus opinion, Jeremy will take the other route here, and that is what I do best. Thank you. Sure, very much. sure. Would, would you agree with my statement that George Kittle hasn't been a top three tight end in the league this year so far? Not so far. You're right. Okay. Fair, fair enough. All right, so we can move on then. Those were our favorite games of the week. We're going to move on to our second segment of recapping the prior week's games. That's the most impressive player. I'll go first since I went last last time. And I'm going to roll with a guy who Jeremy and I were talking about this off camera, but he might just be the lead MVP candidate so far. It's Derek Carr. After weeks, after two weeks, he's now on pace to break Peyton Manning's single-season passing yard record by almost 1,500 yards. And the most impressive thing is he's dominated against two elite defenses. 
You know, the Steelers last week, they made a clear effort to contain Darren Waller in that game. And Derek Carr didn't bat an eye. Five catches for 113 yards and a touchdown for Henry Ruggs, including a huge deep bomb. Five for 57 for Hunter Renfro. Five for 46 for Kenyon Drake. Uh, Waller ended up finishing with five for around 50 in that area, but he wasn't the focal point of the offense, which was the Steelers game plan. They thought, hey, you take away Darren Waller, who's probably been arguably the best tight end in the league this year. He's up there with Kelsey. They're, they're top two. And then TJ Hawkinson's right behind them so far. They thought if they could take him away, especially with Josh Jacobs out, they could win that game with ease. That didn't happen. If the season were to end today, Derek Carr would be the MVP. I've been blown away by him so far. Doc, we're going to toss this to you next. Who was your most impressive player from week oh, two? I had two, but I'll go with my first one, which makes me sad to admit, but Aaron Jones last night with four touchdowns. He had 17 carries for 67 yards and a touchdown and six catches for 48 yards and three touchdowns. So I know that the Lions D is pretty abysmal, right? (laughs) Uh, Packers looked a lot different this week than they did last week. But either way, Jones looked really good. And I think what I loved the most about last night's game was uh, if you guys, I mean, I know we had this conversation, you guys know, but how he was wearing a necklace with his father's ashes. And he actually lost it in the end zone during one of his touchdowns. And I was reading up on it this morning. I thought it was really cool. Their head trainer, Brian Engel, actually searched the field until 1.45 in the morning and found that necklace, which I know I hate the Packers, but that's just a really touching story. Uh, his dad passed away over the pandemic, and uh, I, I just thought great game from him and really happy that he got his necklace back. Completely agree. I mean, Aaron Jones, every year he has a crazy game like that. When you play for the Packers in that offense, you're going to explode at times, and that was one of those times. And I, I agree that the addition of his whole father's ashes and his necklace thing. That, that was a really cool touch, a uh, really cool part of the story. Anton, I'm going to throw it to you next. I know by your reaction, you probably had Derek Carr. Did you have a backup? No, I didn't. I, Derek Carr is my only guy, I'm totally honest, because, you know, he – I said it be, I said before the season started that the Raiders, Derek Carr, John Gruden had something to prove this year, right? And so far, like you said, he is doing it. He threw for 263 yards in the second half alone. That's incredible. He looks really poised and composed. He spreads the ball around the field. You know, what I what I think of the most is he looks like the Derek Carr back in, what, 2016 when he was like that MVP candidate back then. He just looks like really solid this year. And I think what it is is that I think people forgot the Raiders didn't have a great team around him the last couple of years. And he always has been this quarterback, but just didn't have the pieces around him. And now he finally does. So I'm really happy for Derek Carr. And I think he'll ride this wave of success and uh, into week three against the banged up Dolphins team. So Derek Carr, player of the week. Jeremy, ride it out. Um, shockingly, I did not choose one player for this. I know Anton always makes fun of me because I choose multiple things. (laughs) I did not choose, uh, multiple options here. Instead, I chose a unit and I chose the Carolina defense. Um, I did not see Carolina's defense being as good as they are. Brian Burns is a solid pass rusher. Shaq Thompson up the middle, replacing Luke Keekley from a couple of years now. And then you have Jeremy Chin on the back end. Shout out. Um, I just look at this Carolina defense, and I didn't think they were going to shut down the Saints. The Saints have a great offensive line. 
I know, I think they were missing, I want to say their center, Eric McCoy, was gone is on IR for three weeks or so. But they still have a really good unit. They have one of the – for my money, the best back in football in Alvin Kamara. I will not take McCaffrey over him. I will not take Cook over him as much as I love him. Alvin Kamara is the best running back in football, and I didn't hear Jack squat from him this week. What about uh, Derrick Henry? No, no, because Kamara's a dual threat. And I know what that about- they threw – Derrick Henry set his career high in terms of receptions with uh, six in a game. Last week against the Seahawks, Alvin Kamara, I think, has had 81 each of his first three years yeah. in the league or something stupid. He has the same amount of receptions his first three years, and it's very yeah. impressive for a running back. Okay, good. I didn't remember that right. Um, but in terms of Carolina, I think they could probably challenge challenge Tampa Bay for the division. I don't think they're going to beat them head-to-head, but Tampa Bay has a first-place schedule. Carolina has a third-place schedule. Oh, sorry, a second-place schedule. Excuse me. The Saints have the first place. Um uh, Carolina has a third place schedule. Sam Darnold doesn't need to do too much. I mean, you have um, Moten over there on the offensive line. You have bolstered that running game because of McCaffrey coming back and hopefully being healthy. Uh, I'm looking at this this Carolina defense, and I say, if you know what, if you can be serviceable, if you can hold teams to around. I'd say between 17 and 24 points a game, and I know that's a big range, but if you can be pretty consistently around that area. Carolina can win a lot of games, and I don't really like Carolina that much. I've never liked them, but I got to give respect where it's due on that one. Fair enough. I think, you know, a couple of years ago when Matt Rule took over and he focused on the defense in that NFL draft, he took what? Every single pick he made a couple of years ago in that draft was defensively because they were so horrible. And then Luke Keekley retiring. On top of that, you think this defense is going to be – horrible for years they're going to be the new falcons right they, they've got good offensive weapons they've got arguably the best offensive weapon in the game i know you like kamara i personally take christian mccaffrey there's not much between them they're they're both incredible players and one's on the field defense, a lot more than the other one sure but well one year we'll see if mccaffrey bounces back we'll, we'll revisit this conversation at the end of the year but um my pro- my problem with mccaffrey is i don't think he's going to be in the league for more than five years i think he's going to be done in a couple of years here they put a lot and i mean a lot of miles on those legs at stanford he was i think he was challenging for the fbs record in total scrimmage yards because he also returned kicks for them so by the time he was 22, he had racked up so many yards, drafting him number seven overall, and he looked fresh his rookie year. I don't see his body holding up. And he is one of the one guy that I could say, okay, you could tra- probably transform him over to a slot receiver. He's small and white. He's already checked two of the boxes <laughs> for most of the slot receivers in the league. But I don't know if he's going to be around for the long term. I'm not ready to put that label on him yet. But, you know, if he starts dealing with injuries again – We'll talk about that later. So that was the most impressive player from week two. We're going to flip the script here. Who was the biggest disappointment? Jeremy, I'm throwing it right back to you. Chargers, Cowboys, and by extension, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has not developed at all throughout in his second year in the league. He should be better than he is right now. A brutal end zone interception last week against the Cowboys. That game should not have been 20 to 17. It should have been an offensive shootout. If the quarterbacks played at all competently, then it would have been. Dak, I understand. He had a down day. 
but at least I know that he can develop. I've seen him progress as a passer year by year. I was expecting a jump from Justin Herbert because he still has Eckler. He has a revamped offensive line, which is what I thought would be the important thing to get the Chargers the number five seed in the AFC. Corey Lindsley is now at center. Uh, Christian Derrissaw, I believe, is their left tackle now. That's right, right? No. Yeah. I, uh, or is it? No, no, it's Rayshon Slater. Derrissaw is with the Vikings. Those tackles were starting to mix in the draft. Um, Slater is now on, on the left side, I believe. And you have a great football name, Storm Norton, I believe is their right tackle. But he's replacing an old Packer stalwart and Brian Balaga, who just cannot stay healthy anymore. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Jared Cook. I mean, the list goes on. Herbert has everything that he needs to succeed. And for some reason, he keeps trying to push the ball down the field instead of taking the easy money. Now, you can look to another game and say, I don't know if any of you picked this, but Zach Wilson had himself a really bad game. Part of it was in, in due in part to the fact that he wasn't checking down enough. He didn't have enough guys out in the flat so he could just, you know, break off six, seven yards per throw. Instead, he's trying to push it downfield and threw basically arm punts the entire single uh, the entire day. Justin Herbert has got to make a jump. Well, this Chargers team is doomed, and it's going to start this Sunday in Kansas City because I think I don't think anyone's going to be stopping a pissed-off Patrick Mahomes in an offense who, by all by all accounts, I know they put up 35 points, but they could have put up more against the Ravens. They should have put up more against the banged-up secondary. Justin Herbert, I need something because I picked you to win MVP, and that's what disappoints me the most. I don't want to be wrong in a prediction like that because I actually said, hmm, Maybe he can show something after abs- – Anton, you were here for this. I crapped on Justin Herbert all day long last year because I said he's from Oregon. All year. No Not quarterback me, from Oregon has Not ever done me, anything. The he one was my time guy. I, I show him a little faith once, and he turns in a jack squat performance against the Cowboys who don't have that good a defense. I'm sorry, they don't. They're, they're all right. They're not They're not the 2000 Ravens, and that's what he made them look like. They were all over the place on him on Sunday. Fix it, Justin. Come on. Jeremy's been hurt. You know, th- this is a reason why Jeremy doesn't like anyone because when he finally exactly to he's show been burned too many times. Some some level of affection. They play slightly. It, was, below it wasn't even affection. It was supposed to be a calculated guess, and it was clearly wrong. It's been two weeks. I don't think it's fair to wrong. judge anyone after two weeks, except maybe Zach Wilson. Because my goodness, the man is throwing to the wrong team more than he's throwing to his own team. But uh, we know the culture in New York. We know what it's like. Sorry, Jets fans. Anton, throwing it to you. Who was well, I mean, the you, biggest disappointment? Well, you already kind of touched upon it. It's it's Zach Wilson. Um, there were just too many moments in that game where I'm thinking, what are you doing? Who are you throwing to, right? You know, I can I can... I can give you credit as a rookie QB. You're going against Bill Belichick, right? That guy makes defenses that eat up rookie QBs. He's in for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and the midnight snack, right? This guy is he, – he tears apart rookie QBs. But there's only – okay, we'll talk about this later. But he threw three picks in the first half. And I can excuse physical mistakes. Maybe you overthrow a guy – Maybe you like is – it, is a tip pass or something like that? Fine. You're a rookie. You make mistakes. But not decision-making. And that was probably the most alarming thing for me. He had some really, really poor decisions. And I, I, I didn't know what was going on. And I watched the game, and too many of these throws were just absolutely unexcusable. Um, so Zach Wilson is easily my bit point of the week. He just, I don't know, man. If I'm a Jets fan, am I worried? Maybe a little bit. So Zach Wilson, they should be, but it's not because of Zach Wilson. Yeah, I should be worried because their coach is a boob. Their offensive coordinator is a boob. And I thought Robert Sala would actually not suck. I had promise for him. I thought he was going to be good. 
man, what did you hear his post game press conference? Yes, I, I, he Jeff, said something Jeff like he said, they weren't, he said they weren't worried whatsoever. He said that they were right there. He said Zach Wilson Wait, I, knew exactly what he was doing. He was just a little bit off. I mean, those I remember, third and fourth interceptions were just maybe the worst throws I've ever seen a quarterback make. At the beginning of the year, didn't Robert Sala say like, oh, just it, it's all gas, no breaks, right? But then he's like, oh, Zach just needs to learn to slow down. It's like, what? Thank Robert, you, what are you talking you. That about, was dude? That was, the, that was the damning quote from him. It was, it was said, like, he said the all he gas, no back. breaks. The all gas, no breaks quote just means that he has to manage the game. It shouldn't be exciting. Excuse me. Man. What does that quote say? Yeah, no, he said, he said, I think he said, it's okay to be boring sometimes. Uh, yeah. You know what's boring? You just, a W. You know what? You know what? You know what was boring was what you saw across the sidelines like with the Patriots. That was a boring yes. game. I was yes. thoroughly bored as a Patriots fan on offense, but guess what? They still won the game because your exactly. your head coach decided to name a kid who went to a Chuck and Duck school in terms of BYU. That's their philosophy: is you you throw the ball down the field as far as you can and you pray that it doesn't get caught by the other team. That's a whole lot of what he was doing on Sunday. He named him a team captain. Do you think that the Patriots are naming Mac Jones a team captain in year one? Do you think that nope. he deserves a team captain in year one? What are you doing? Nope. Holy crap. Man, the Jets the Jets are poison to any NFL player that goes to play for them. Man, does it make me happy. But also, we're going to go through another decade of crappy Jets games until Woody Johnson eventually goes and gives the team to his son, who will in turn just make it a more moribund, run-of-the-mill, crapshoot franchise. Because guess what? The Jets are poverty in the NFL. Boy, does it make me happy to see it. You know, it's tough, right? Because the Jets, these Jets fans better hope that Robert Sala works out. Because it's one thing to look at Adam Gase after the hire. You look at his his press conference when he's hired, and he's looking at people like, oh, the crazy <laughs> eyes out here. And you immediately think, oh, boy, we're in for a wild ride. I think everyone everyone thought that when the Jets made this hire and brought in Robert Sala, they said, okay, this is a step in the right direction. This dude is competent. He has coached a Super Bowl contending defense, and he's – Coach, probably the best defensive team in football for a couple of years. So he can help turn things around. If he can't help turn things around, no one can. So they better hope that he works out. That's enough trash talking on the day. I got one more thing to talk about. Okay. The All right. okay. I don't know why Never Kevin Harlan brought this up during the broadcast, but he talked about how, how Robert Sala is living in a hotel with his seven kids, wife and nanny, seven kids under the age of 10. If Robert Kraft had his head coach, his house was getting repairs, wouldn't he just rent them a house somewhere so that way you could bring your seven kids under the age of 10, your wife and your nanny, to somewhere where you're not living out of two rooms? Instead, he was just like, okay, here's a Motel 6 card. Have a good time. Like, man, yeah. that's, if, if that's just not incompetence at the highest levels, I don't know what is. Yeah. I don't think it's Motel 6. Let me be real. All right. You know what? And speaking of Adam Gaze, I don't know how <laughs> anyone would think that any Bears offensive coordinator – Deserves a head coach job. He was a he was a real okay. cute. All right, Doc. Now yeah. that we have you, after a few minutes of trashing on the Jets, who was your biggest disappointment in week two? Jameis Winston. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jameis my. Winston, biggest disappointment. Why are you, you know? Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so. <laughs> Can't you know, me. I was not looking forward to him starting for the Saints, um, and I'm a big Saints fan and a huge Drew Brees fan, and our first podcast together, I said he was going to be the biggest disappointment this season. Then game one came, and he looked 
good. He looked Florida State national championship year good. I was there that year. He looked good. We didn't see that side of Jameis Winston when he was playing for the Bucs, right? So I thought, man, this is his comeback, right? And I actually kind of got a little bit excited about it. Week two, he looked awful. He responded really poorly to Carolina's constant pressure. He only completed 11 of 22 throws for 111 yards and two interceptions. He was hit 11 times for four sacks. So that's a, a bigger problem that the Saints have to address. There were just way too many penalties and false starts all around. I was reading something earlier today that Winston was saying how he couldn't hear well with the crowd in the stadium. Come on, dude. You used to play at Joe Campbell Stadium at FSU. It's one of the you're, you're loudest, also, biggest stadiums Charlotte. that there is. This isn't the Superdome here. What are we talking about? Yeah, I didn't even hear that quote. Yeah, he has, uh -huh. so he so he needs new ears. He's got to go back to his new eyeballs because his old eyeballs returned for Sunday. So I mean, what are we doing here? I don't I know. Mean, I I just thought that he looked really poor. I thought all around the Saints looked poor. The defense couldn't stop the ball, especially obviously with Christian McCaffrey. And I know that the Saints had some key players out this week for defense, some injuries, but. Overall, I thought the Saints looked poor, and Winston, you know, I, I thought he was making a comeback this year. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, you know, it's funny, right? After week one, people were saying, James Winston, he might just be the front runner for MVP. And I'm sitting here saying, oh, I just said Derek Carr is the MVP after two weeks, so naturally he's going to go out and lay an egg next week at this rate. But James, I think it definitely was time to temper expectations. He definitely shocked compared to all the circumstances that the Saints are going through you know, being taken away from the home field for the first half of the season. Now the Superdome's on fire. Um, there's a lot going on in New Orleans, and, you know, our thoughts are out to the, the citizens who are there right now. But as for the Saints and Jameis Winston, this was definitely a reality check for them. I still think they can be good. I know Jeremy's higher on them than, than most people, but this was definitely dropping them down off the pedestal a little bit. All right, my biggest disappointment from Week 2 in the 2020 NFL draft, the Kansas City Chiefs passed on DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins. I knew you were going here. Jonathan. Oh, Taylor, my goodness. And can Let's make go for a man named Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Oh, Hilaire, yeah. However you want to say his last name. He has been nothing but an enormous disappointment to start the season. Through two games, Clyde has 27 carries for 89 yards. And that comes out to just 3.3 <laughs> yards per carry which is good for a whopping 42nd in the league among all rushers behind that revamped offensive line featuring superstar guard joe tooney who we know very well in new england did the chiefs just draft sony michelle with a first round pick because it sure seems like it no i haven't seen the explosiveness i haven't seen the elite receiving upside that people were touting about him and his pass blocking is still abysmal. You don't need an back to succeed through the Chiefs, but it's hard not to shake your head watching guys like DeAndre Swift, who is the perfect fit in that system. And then Jonathan Taylor, who is dominant, complete opposite style, one of the better workhorses in the league already in his second year. It's tough watching those guys excel in different situations when you got a guy in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire who already looks like he's shaping up to be a first round bust at this point. So you asked, you, you asked if they draft you asked if they draft Sony Michelle. No, they did. 
Tony was good for multiple years at uh, Georgia. I watched him for a couple of years. He was very good and then got succeeded by DeAndre Swift. Uh, Edward Zelaer popped on the scene at LSU, and him and Joe Burrow were both one-year wonders. And if you had to bet on one of them to be good, I actually thought it was going to be Edward Zelaer. But clearly that's not the case so far, at least. I think the Chiefs are misusing him. I think that they got to get him in terms of – I understand it's a revamped offensive line, but most of those offensive line guys are built for uh, pass blocking, not run blocking, because that's what the Chiefs like to do. The Chiefs don't like to run the ball. So if you want to go and crap on Andy Reid all you want, okay, yeah, that's fine. But I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a par- partially on Edward Zelaer, partially on Andy Reid for his philosophy. I'm actually glad you brought that up. I feel like a lot of people haven't talked about how Clyde Edward Zelaer is like not really anything the Chiefs thought he would be. In fact, I actually – I. Yeah, I actually would agree with Jeremy. I thought, if anything, between Burrow and Elair, I certainly thought it would be Clyde because he just seemed like kind of like a sure thing, if anything. And I'm just really surprised that he – I mean, like that fumble was disastrous. I mean, that was like the last thing that can possibly happen in that game. He could have fallen down. He could have – he could have – he could have fallen down. He could have ran all the way back to like yeah, the he, he could have run line. 20 yards behind and then taken a crap on the 40-yard line and still would have yes, been better exactly. than what he did. And it would have been fine. It would have been fine than what he did. I was like, I remember watching that game. I was like, oh my God. I would I I couldn't believe it. I thought he was gonna get cut after that game. I would have cut him. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been funny. I would have been very happy about that. All right. After 30 plus minutes, we are off of week two. We're going to try to speed that up next week. I apologize to those of you who have been waiting for the week three preview, but we're jumping into that right now. We're starting with picking the game of the week. I'm going to go first and I went chalk with my game of the week for week two going chalk here. I'm sure. A lot of people have the same answer. There's an obvious game on the slate here it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Los Angeles Rams this is probably your NFC championship preview if things shake out how a lot of us are expecting them to shake out and these are currently the best two teams in the league in my opinion I said the day the Ra- the Rams not the Raiders uh traded for Matthew Stafford that they were headed to the Super Bowl and now is their chance to make a statement obviously some things went wrong between then and now, they lost their superstar running back. They got Des- Darrell Henderson and Sony Michelle, who is apparently better than Clyde Edwards Hilaire, uh, up to this point. Um, you know, I've seen the Falcons give the Bucks a run for their money for a little bit of that game last week. It's clear that there are holes in this Bucks defense, especially in their secondary. No one has no one has been able to slow Cooper Cup down so far this season. And Tampa Bay could be in for a long day. They can't stop the run if they can't slow down Cooper Cup. So that is my pick for the game of the week. Doc, I'm going to throw it to you. What was your take? That was, that was actually my pick too, especially when you think about who the Rams have played so far, the Bears and the Colts, neither of which have great defenses. I'm really interested to see Stafford play against a Tier 1 defense, right? <clears throat> Bucks defense this year looks really good. So interested to see if uh, he looks as good and if their offense looks as good against that tier one defense. But um, since you picked that, I would say my second exciting game of the week that I'm looking forward to is Seahawks Vikings. I think that's going to be a really good game. Um, oh, was that your pick, Jeremy? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I'm not excited for this game at all. I <laughs> am. He's, I don't he is watch terrified of Russell well, Wilson. I would be terrified of Russell Wilson. I don't want to watch Wilson. this game at all. I want zero to do with this game. I already. I can. I can tell you exactly what's going to happen in this game. I'm going to get to it later. 
okay. Okay. Tyler Lockett, though, I'm surprised no one picked him for Player of the Week. He, monster. I mean, monster. monster. We knew he he's a good player, right? I think he just signed a $69 million contract. So he's a good player. But I think he's second in the league right now in receiving yards. Something like that. I, yeah. I had um, second in receiving yards. He's tied for second in receiving touchdowns. And he's fourth in yards per catch. He has just been a monster. I'm really excited to see him run all over the Vikings defense this week. That's going to be a tough one. Of course you are. Anton, what's your game of the week? I also had the Bucks-Rams, but I'm actually going to go with uh, the Monday night game, which is Cowboys-Eagles. That'll be fun. I I really like Jalen Hurts. That'll be fun for everyone who likes watching. It's fun for everyone who likes watching those teams implode. I know you're not on Twitter, so you don't have to deal with this. But the the salt fest that goes on whenever the Eagles and the Cowboys play each other is absolutely oh, unbelievable. It's the Cowboys fans saying, we're back. How about them Cowboys? We're going to get there for the first time since, I don't know, I wasn't even born the last time they made the Super Bowl and won it. Um, and then you got the Eagles fans going, ah, you know, I, we, we all we, you keep counting us out. Ben Simmons will say in Philadelphia, or I want to trade him for whatever fly. I want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then you have this entire third sector of the population going, why did the Cowboys and the Eagles keep getting primetime matches? matchups it makes no sense that is literally what, what twitter is on monday nights and it is or sorry whenever these two teams get together and it is just painful to watch okay well if i did i didn't know all this twitter beef but i, I the, my main thing is i love jalen hurts he's gotten better every year that i've seen him play i mean this dude this dude can do everything he can zip it he can throw those nice yeah he throw with some touch he can move out of the pocket my biggest thing is that the range of outcomes of this game is so crazy it could either be like you know low scoring kind of tight game or what i'm kind of hoping it will be is like a high octane shootout right both offenses have proven that they can pile on the points but they've also both been shut down so and the other thing is that neither team has a defense that's good enough to hold down the other one for like the entire game so we should see at least i'm imagining some like second half fireworks and the Cowboys have this is their first game at home in like what they probably packed pack stadium the first like what two years. Um, and what I kind of am really, 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 really secretly hoping for is that the Eagles kind of win in the last second chance sort of sort of no. thing because they have because they have Jalen Hurts under center. Jalen Hurts under center, man, that can that dude can make things happen. So I'm kind of hoping Cowboys Eagles will be a really good game. I hope I an think, earthquake comes and knocks yeah. both of the teams out of the game and so we don't have to watch it. Oh, my I think, goodness. Oh I think it would goodness. be entertaining, right? Because both Dak and Jalen Hurts were not great last week. They both played tough defenses. Dak was shut down by the Chargers defense. And Jalen Hurts, you know, he was dealing with San Francisco. So it was a problem. But these defenses they're playing now, they both suck. So if you're a fantasy owner for either of these guys, they could be combining for 60 fantasy points. Yeah, Dak got me yeah. like nine points in fantasy last week. I don't yeah. think I don't think Hurts is going to do well. I think the Dallas defense I, is going to be good against well, a running quarterback. Jalen is also from Texas, so I feel like he Jalen has some throw incentive. I, I I think we can qualify Jalen as a dual threat quarterback instead of just a running quarterback. Did you see? Did, did you did you see his throw chart so far this year? I think he's completed one ball over the middle of the field. Everything else outside the hatches. If he wants to become a true, if you want to call him a dual threat quarterback, make a throw across the middle and then we could talk. And I like Jalen Hurts because I hate Texas and I liked him at Oklahoma, mostly because of my friend. But you know what? He's still not there yet. He'll get there. Well, Jeremy, you just just said it, bro. He made one throw over the middle, so we can talk now. So he's one for one. We can talk. To which I say, say, (laughs) make another. 100% completion rate. Jeremy, the birthday boy, throwing it to you. What's your game of the week? 
I don't know why you keep bringing that up. Um, Tampa Bay and LA. Oh, it's only because it's your twenty-first birthday. Second, yeah, you should just be playing. Sorry, we love you. Got to be playing the Earth, Wind, and Fire song instead. It's much more meaningful. Yes. Um, so the 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 Bucks and the Rams by far number one game. So I just went. I'm going to go quickly. Washington and Buffalo. Washington, it's a prove it game because That's I don't think their de- their defense hasn't performed to what we all expected so far. Uh, Buffalo's coming off a game where they whooped the Dolphins, but that was only because Tua got hurt, and then the Dolphins' offensive line kind of blows. Washington has a good offensive line. Um, I'm looking at Buffalo, and Josh Allen has really regressed, much to my delight. Um, <laughs> if he keeps on sucking, maybe you can really make the argument that Baker will be the best quarterback from the 2018 draft class. Yes, I got Anton's attention with that one. Um, Baker? If hey, if I just want to see, I want to see the Bills keep suffering because now that they have fans back, they don't look nearly as scary as they did last year. So guess what, Bills fans? Hee hee, here they come. New England's coming up behind, and guess what? We ain't taking no prisoners when we beat you in Buffalo in a couple of weeks. All right, so those are our games for the week. We're gonna get into two hot takes from each of us for the upcoming slate. We're going to go one at a time around. So, Jeremy, give us one, and then we'll come back to you to wrap things up before getting to a special birthday boy edition of Garen's Game. Ba-da-ba. All right, Jeremy. First take, go. Mike Zimmer gets fired after a blowout loss to the Seahawks this week on Sunday. <laughs> I knew I was getting wow. I told you I was getting to that. I've had just about enough of Mike Zimmer, even though he's supposed to be a defensive mind. His coverage on the Cardinals, my lord. Oh, I mean, I could have, I could have scored a couple of touchdowns that Rondale Moore, Moore scored on Sunday. He had, he was so open. I could have, he could have just walked in the end zone, and I think he did on a couple of them. Um, he's not bailing out Kirk Cousins, who is playing very well to start the year. Take that, Doc. I know you, you, you're, you're going and heralding Justin Fields over there. I got a quarterback who can actually play, and we're just wasting him. You have the opposite. You don't have a quarterback, and you're wasting other guys' t- uh, talent and potential. Wow. Um, Mike Mike Zimmer's going to get fired because do you guys remember what happened when Minnesota traveled to Seattle for Sunday night last year? They ran the ball on, I think, fourth and two with Alexander Madison over the right side late in the fourth quarter. Didn't get it. And Russell Wilson went down and let a touchdown drive and they lost by one. So they always lose to Seattle. Whenever Wilson plays the Vikings, he beats them. So there's no there's a no way I'm picking the Vikings this week and B I hope it's a blowout just so they fire Zimmer. You know he's still ranked as the odds are second highest for Zimmer to get fired. First is still Nagy. Nagy at least won a game. True. Sure. Anton, what's your first? Uh, hot my take? my hot take is that Tony Pollard is the best running back on the Cowboys. Yeah, Ooh, that was there. mine. Oh, no, really? Oh, no. Wow. Yes. Well, listen, man. <laughs> 13 carries 109 yards and a touchdown man this guy is an ex- he's explosive he's an angry runner he's super shifty and man can that dude turn the corner accelerate i mean he looks when it, when he gets the ball i'm like tuned in i'm like okay tony Parr has the ball he's gonna do something with it and i think if you're a cowboys fan you're like listen do we keep zeke or do we just stick with tony pollard i mean running backs are obviously a very interesting commodity in the league now. It's like, do you really commit to a big uh, a guy like that? You know, I mean, Derrick Henry may be the only exception. Maybe Nick Chubb too. Go Browns. Nick Chubb. But um, but Zeke, I, you know, oh, he's really good pass protection. No, no, Tony Pollard is the guy. It's tough. My guess right? is, is Zeke is gone next year. No, but how Ooh. how are you going to get someone to take that contract? I was just about to say that, Jeff. Right? How like he's what is he twenty six now? You're going to have to trade draft capital to get rid of the deal. It's not going to happen. 
Yeah, it's going to be it's not worth. You'd rather just keep him on the roster and have him be the second back. And hopefully Tony Pollard will be good for, I think he's under contract for one more year. Is he a, is he a pending free agent? I don't know. Either way, no matter what though, if I'm Dallas, I don't re-sign him. I just go draft another guy because college running backs are a dime a dozen. They're, one of them will always pop. So just go get another guy. Don't pay Tony Pollard because you're already overpaying one guy. Why overpay a second guy? You know who Tony Pollard reminds me of? Prime, prime, prime Raheem Mostert. What we saw a couple of years ago. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with like so a big guy. Prime, you know, prime, prime. To Marco Murray. Prime, something prime, like no, that. No, no. Prime no, Raheem I say Mostert. That, I say that no. as the utmost compliment. Because the Raheem Mostert we saw and the run that the 49ers made to the Super Bowl was exactly what Anton described. An angry, dynamic, explosive running back. And he's been hampered by injuries so far. But when we saw Raheem Mostert playing like that and when he's been healthy over the past couple of the seasons, the dude is one of the most dynamic backs in the league. And people who don't watch 49ers games don't know that. So that's a compliment to Tony Pollard. Doc, do you want to touch on this? I know you just said this. I do, because I agree with Anton, but I want to take it one step further. So Anton said he's going to be the better running back this week. I think not only is is he going to be the better running back, I think he's going to get more rushing attempts, more total yards, and more fantasy points than Zeke. Because we saw he was the better running back last week. He averaged almost twice as many yards per attempt uh, in comparison with Zeke. But Zeke still got majority of the carries. So I'm interested to see more of a running back by committee approach this coming week and see if Pollard actually gets more attempts and kind of what that looks like. So I I agree. I think Pollard uh, last week, he looked fantastic. Um, I think he's a more efficient ball carrier and I'm interested to see him get, get more attempts and see what happens. I agree. I think this is best case scenario if you're a Cowboys fan, because you need another guy with Zeke. He's had some durability issues over the couple of years, and he just hasn't looked that great, even though he, he slimmed looks, down. He slimmed. He he's fat last year. He looked so fat. Yeah, he looked fat, and he's he slimmed coming down. As, this as year. the YouTube people can see, I know what I'm talking about when it comes to that. Roethlisberger <laughs> looks fat. Oh well, yeah, I know. He looked All like right. he swallowed somebody on his way over to the field. You know, maybe maybe Ryan Switzer. <laughs> Ryan Switzer might be hiding inside of Ben Roethlisberger right now. All right. Damn. All right. My first hot take. I allow myself one homer pick. Per uh, per week, per episode, Mac Jones really breaks out this week. You know he's been really impressive to start the season. He's boasting a seventy three point nine percent completion percentage. That's good for sixth in the NFL right now. Um, He's doing everything he can to put the Patriots in situations to win games. Worked last week, didn't work week one. We all know what what happened uh, with Damian Harris inside the ten yard line. That being said, he's acknowledged that he's left some meat on the bone at times when it comes to passing up potential big plays for the safer throw. Jeremy and I have have looked over multiple examples of this on footage and talked about this, how we want him to be more open to throw the ball downfield. He had, it was Aguilar right on that play on the trick play uh, where it was a handoff to white, white Mm -hmm. threw it back to him across the field. Then he tossed it to John around 15, 17 yards. It was a big, it was a nice chunk play, but he had Nelson Aguilar beating his man for a touchdown for like a 45-yard throw. So I just want to see him take a take a risk every now and then. And I know Josh McDaniels came out and said, we're not restricting him. I think that's a load of BS. Uh, I think that you are. Or if you're not directly doing it, the pressure you're putting him under in this situation is making him want to take the safe throw. So I think that he he breaks off a big one or two. We saw he had the capability to do so 
in the preseason with a couple of big throws, the Patriots receivers just couldn't catch. Then he had a couple of plays where Nikhil Harry injured himself diving on a ball. He didn't have to dive on uh, when he could have just walked into the end zone for a 70. You don't talk about him anymore. Sure. Right. So Sam Donald just threw for 300 plus yards and two touchdowns against the saints. If he can put up big numbers, I know Mac Jones can do it. He's this is a statement game for the current rookie of the year favorite and lucky me and lucky you, you get to listen to back to back hot takes from myself. This one's not about Mac Jones. It is about a player who I am very who I have shown a lot of favoritism. What what is yes, that word? word? Favoritism? Favoritism. Yeah. Favoritism yes, towards. That's a word. Yes, that's a word. Thank thank you, Professor. Um I'm taking the Chargers stops at the Chiefs. Jeremy touched on that a little bit earlier. Um, Justin Herbert, he was Jeremy's MVP pick, but he was my MVP pick as well for those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while. And he has underwhelmed so far this year. Continuing my theme of statement games here, this is a huge one for the sophomore. We know that the Chiefs defense is struggling right now. They just gave out, what, 36 points to, to the Ravens when they had when they didn't have their first two running backs Obviously, you could argue Lamar Jackson's the RB one there, but we're not going to dive into that. I believe, I believe that when Herbert is playing up to his potential, the Chargers can score with anyone, and their defense has also been impressive so far this season. They held Washington to 16 points. They held Dallas and Dak Prescott to 20 points, which is no small feat. We saw them go off on that Tampa Bay defense, so that shows you that the Chargers are for real. If they can even slightly contain Patrick Mahomes, force him into one or two sloppy turnovers, which we know that he is prone to from time to time, Herbert and company can win this game, and I think that is exactly what happens in week three. Doc, throwing it back to you, who is or what is your second hot take for the week? My second hot take for the week has to do with the trade. Because I am calling Watson to the Dolphins this week. Now, I know that that there was just some reports I was reading today. Tua's ribs don't look that bad. The x-rays came back negative. But he's still day-to-day, right? And uh, rib injuries, I mean, it's going to take a little while. Uh, Trade deadline is quickly approaching November 2nd, I believe. So uh, here's the thing. Even if Tua comes back... Is he the long-term solution for the Dolphins? No. (laughs) No. I I would think everyone would agree that that's a no. Uh, They were really, really close to making a trade a couple weeks ago, but Texans wanted too much for Watson. It didn't happen. I think that the Texans have to shit or get off the pot. I mean, what are they going to do? They're, he's not playing Great now. Great turn of phrase there. <laughs> he's, he's not playing Jeremy, now. And Jeremy loves his toilet-based. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. It's apropos. I, I mean, he's healthy. Now would be the time for him to play, right, with the quarterback injury. But they're still sitting him. So what are they going to do with him? They're going to bench this quarterback all year and not get anything for him? It's the time for them to make the trade happen. I think both sides, I just, I think it's going to happen this week. What is the package that you think it's going to be? Doc, you had to put a potential one together. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oh, so uh, they just, the one that was just rejected a couple weeks ago, I want to say, and someone can help me out here, but I want to say that the Texans wanted two first round picks. I don't think that's happening. 
I think they, they didn't even more. want Tua though. That was the craziest part. The no. Texans didn't even want Tua. They that want was like, should, they was not part of the they, deal. They, so what, no. is, what does that tell you about how people feel about Tua? They shouldn't exactly. want exactly. But I don't think they're going to get that many picks out of Watson with his legal issues right now. They so want they, a couple of uh, defensive starters as well, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah, but they're not going to get that many picks. So they have to scale that down. I mean, not a lot of people want Watson right now with everything that's going on with his criminal case. So they really got to scale that back if they want to get rid of him. I'm going a uh, couple defensive players and one pick. Mm, fair enough. Anton, what's your second hot take this week? My second hot take is that the Jets really should have kept Sam Darnold. Okay, let me, I'm going to list off the three, the last three players to throw four interceptions without a TD in their rookie season. It goes Zach Wilson, Sam Darnold, and Mark Sanchez. Now, if you're paying attention, you probably can see a common thread here. The Jets, the, Jets, the Jets should be banned from drafting quarterbacks because what is going on here? I don't understand. Zach Wilson is basically Sam Darnold. So you're just you're just swapping out Zach Wilson for Sam Darnold, and he's going to have the exact same problems as Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is off in Carolina, thriving because he has a team around him, and Zach Wilson is like, oh my god, he is just he's seen ghosts. So I, I think the Jets really should have kept Sam Darnold, and I think now they're like, wow, we maybe should have built around him. Now, to to their credit, they didn't have like a monster second round. Like, there's no like monster defensive guy that could have picked second overall okay I, I give you that but at the same time oh come on now i mean they could have brought in really Sewell. really really i he but he doesn't look like he's like fantastic either but the jets man i really think they're like we should have kept Sam Arnold. sure can i can Jeremy. i qualify that though anton they sure. should they shouldn't regret trading darnold because he was gone in new york what they should regret True. is drafting wilson that. that's the difference yeah. in my opinion it's they shouldn't they shouldn't have drafted wilson they should have they should have still traded darnold i had that on my episode uh, that we recorded yesterday check that out by the way um so my last that's hot take sure. i had oh, shoot i gotta choose one of the running four i had okay fine i'll choose the hottest one four. um four. yeah yeah um week 10's matchup november 14th between the Cardinals and the Panthers will be a matchup between the last two remaining undefeated teams. I looked at the schedule. Scorching hot. <laughs> I looked at the schedules for a lot of these teams. It took a lot for me to stretch it, but it had you Jeff said it had to be a hot take. The Rams could lose to the Bucs, or the Bucs could lose to the Rams. That takes off one of the two major players that would be in there for the undefeated record. I'm hoping that the Rams lose to the Bucs if, for this prediction to be right. Make no mistake, I'm still going to root for the Rams in the game. But uh, if the Rams lose to the Bucs, the Bucs have a harder schedule for the upcoming weeks. The Rams actually kind of have a little bit of a cakewalk. The Niners will eventually face the Rams and the Cardinals. The Cardinals will get the Rams and the Niners. Hopefully they win both of those games because I think Kyler Murray should be the number two candidate for MVP right now behind Derek Carr. Um, you look at some, you look at some of these other games. I think Denver is a little bit of a paper, uh, a, a straw man almost because they face, guess what? Whoop-dee-doo. You beat Daniel Jones in week one and Urban Meyer in week two. You want a cookie? You're going to, you're going to go to three and oh, cause you're going to beat the, the hapless jets on Sunday. And then you're going to really get a day of reckoning. And I can never trust the Raiders to do anything good. As soon as they get on a streak, they really choke it away. So that, that wow. basically knocks out the other teams. Um, Yeah. I think the Cardinals and the Panthers have a chance. This this would be really this would be funny if I got this right, but I'd be hilarious. I wanted hey, to be uh, a little bit bold. I have to say because I had to look it up because I'm I'm big on being accurate with sources. And according to Sports Illustrated, the Texans wanted th the Texans wanted three first round draft picks, two second round draft picks, 
and defensive players. That is too much for everything that's going on with Watson. Come on. You got to scale that back. I don't even know who's going to play or not. Yeah, it's insane. I disagree. I think that you have to keep you that. You still negotiate. do it. Don't no. let any. Don't let no, Jeremy or any GM office. I never said I'd do it, but I think the Texans would be stupid not to hold out for it as long as I possible. Agree. I because agree. Watson, that's fair. That's Watson fair. has his, his all of his off the field issues are well documented, and we're not bringing this into the. If you want to talk about, about the pure football merits of it. But on the field, he is a top five quarterback in the NFL. You don't just trade away a top five quarterback in the NFL for pennies on the dollar if you can help it. They should hold out with that negotiating tactic for as long as possible, especially because he's under contract for many years after this. It's not a James Harden situation. It's not an Aaron Rodgers situation where you know that they're an impending free agent. You got to get what you can for them. That's all I'm saying. I agree. All right. Thank you for listening to the main segment of this show. We are hopping into a special Birthday boy edition of Garen's game. Play the music. Jeremy, what do you have for us, my friend? Uh, The third of my five hot takes. The Bears should start Nick Foles this week against the uh, the Cleveland Browns. All right. This is just your game. You're just going to read us your hot takes. No, no. It it goes into the greater argument that me and Jeff have been having for the last day. It's not even an argument. We've been kind of lockstep on this. So we get to bring the other two into this now, and now we get to talk about it. All right. Let's talk about first round picks that start early in their careers, specifically first round picks that go into it and they are named the starter from day one. Um, you look at guys like, I mean, you could go through the, I went back from 2009 and looked at it. Uh, you have names like Brandon Wheaton, sorry, Anton, uh, Mark Sanchez, EJ Manuel, Johnny Manziel. Um, Mariota, Jameis, all these guys. Have, Wentz was not immediately the starter, but they traded Sam Bradford before the year to the Vikings, of course. Uh, and then both teams ended up sucking, and Wentz got the living crap beat out of him, and that's part of the reason why he is where he is. He's just a brittle husk of a quarterback that we once knew. Deshaun Kaiser sucks. Trubisky yes. was not originally named the starter, but he turned out to suck anyway, but that's unrelated. Uh, I'm just more focusing on the guys who got the start from day one. Darnold. Yeah, we all know what happened there. Haskins, Daniel Jones, uh, Herbert has shown no development into his second year. All this is to say this. The Chicago Bears went into the year saying that Justin Fields wasn't ready. So why, after Andy Dalton gets hurt, does that suddenly make him ready? This this move does not reek of any actual football merit. This move reeks of Matt Nagy trying to save his job. You should not be cowtailing to this if you're the if you're the GM Ryan Pace who could save his job if Justin Fields turns out to be good. He probably won't, but let's say for the sake of argument that he can. Why are you pushing him onto the field? He looked god awful against the Bengals on Sunday, and a, an atrocious pick that set up a Cincinnati touchdown to T Higgins that cut the deficit to one score. He's just he's not ready. He's not ready, Bears fans, and I get it. He looked so, good during the preseason. They weren't game oh, planning for him. Go. Go. Yeah, go right ahead. No, you know what? So I agree that he's not ready. And I actually had this argument with a lot of Bears fans week one. And I would say 80% of Bears fans wanted Nagy to start fields week one. And I had the same arguments. He's not ready. He needs to develop. Uh, There's not many times that a rookie quarterback goes in week one and then makes something for himself, right? He needs to develop. He He needs to learn the plays. He needs to X, Y, Z. But here we are in this situation with Dalton injured. So to me, it seems like the perfect time for him to get in, learn the game, prove himself. The Bears are not going to win this year. So why are we just uh, 
shooting around the bush, whatever you want to call it, of having him sit on the bench when he's going to eventually be the, be the starter. Might as well get him in now, get the practice, get the reps, and figure it out, right? We talked about this before with the Patriots and Mac Jones. The Patriots are in a win-now mentality, right? Cut Cam. Let's just put Mac in and see what he can do. The Bears are in a – They're not doing that. They're not seeing what he can do. That's the entire point of this. They're putting the the shackles on him. They won't let him throw more than 10 yards down the field. In two games, he hasn't attempted a pass into the end zone yet. But they're still giving him a chance to start. That's different. True. If you want to see what he can do, let me put it this way. If you want to see what he can do, you let him throw to Nelson Aguilar on the double pass and you encourage it in practice. But you know what that turns into? What Zach Wilson did on Sunday, to which I ask you, Doc, or you and to you too, Anton, to a lesser extent. Did Sunday help or hurt Zach Wilson's development? Do you think that helped uh, his confidence? Oh, certainly hurt it. Are you serious? I mean, come on. It's his second <laughs> game ever. He's playing at home. Four picks? No, I'd agree with that. But I still think different situations, different situations. But the Jets aren't going to win this year. The Bears aren't going to win this year. But they're just throwing Zach Wilson out there to see what he's got. They're showing that they're throwing Zach Wilson out there to see if he can do it, to see if he can see it. Are you going to compare Zach Wilson to Justin Fields? Yes. No. Why not? They're two different caliber quarterbacks. They're both rookie quarterbacks that didn't, um, if anything. widely different caliber quarterbacks with widely different college experience. Wilson was, had a semi-comparable record at, albeit a lesser school, threw for more yards. Justin Fields went to a national title game, was hurt a lot, and was not as good his second season in, at Ohio State as compared to his first year because he didn't have the pieces around him. The, for the school's all-time passing yards, uh, receiving yards leader in K.J. Hill gone chris Olave was older but he was still there you lost um jk dobbins to the nfl you lost a couple of offensive linemen to the nfl that ohio state offense was not the same especially after you lost trey sermon the national championship to alabama they're two rookie quarterbacks and i'll add a third one into that do you think trevor lawrence's first two games have helped or hurt his development jeff you you were telling me earlier today didn't trevor lawrence last in uh, yes. completion percentage he or something like that? He is dead last with a 50% completion rate. Who's second to last, Jeff? Zach Wilson. Hmm. Oh, Interesting. my God. Interesting. Where, where's Mac Jones? The, defen- the defense rests. So, uh, <laughs> no, I will say I a guy can learn in other ways than starting in the NFL. Look at guys who who stayed on the bench their first year, and look at how they turned Don't out. Don't even now, give me the Patrick Mahomes comparison because you know <laughs> was gonna, what? Was Patrick Mahomes me- was in a far different situation with Andy Reid versus Matt Nagy. I, I, with- would, I would like to point out Matt Nagy is one of Andy Reid's disciples, but that's that's a, he that's was not there. A there. No, but they, but they had yeah, Alex Smith. They had Alex Smith, who was a like beloved quarterback. Yeah, yeah, and Smith, I think, uh, made the Pro Bowl the year before. Alex so he was, Smith was a veteran journeyman by that point. He was point. training behind an elite quarterback. Fields is training behind was, Andy Dalton. Was Alex Smith hey, not known? You as show the, respect to the Red Rifle. Was Alex Smith not known as the poster boy for being a game manager, Anton? 
Andy that Dalton is what he was is, known as. Hey, That's what he was hey. known as, Anton. You know that. Andy Dalton oh, is elite at getting you to Don't, the I guess. Admit it. Yes. He was known as the quintessential game manager. And Andy Dalton got teams to the playoffs, exactly as uh, Jeff just said. He is elite at getting you to the first game of the playoffs. Exactly. That's exactly. all I'm going to say about Andy Dalton. And I wasn't even going to bring up Mahomes. You could ask me to bring up Mahomes. I could. But what about the other two guys that are sitting there that didn't start their first year? Brady and Rogers. Neither of them. And Baker Mayfield. Baker, no, no, no. He did start his first year, but he was not immediately tabbed as a starter. No, exactly. That's that's a whole separate thing. Um, Jimmy Jimmy G is still kicking around in the league. A lot of his contemporaries from that draft class aren't. And while people may say he's limited, he's still proven that he can win at an elite level in the NFL. Guys who start their first year, it often doesn't it doesn't work out for them more often than not, especially high picks. Andrew Luck. He he was he was the poster child. He probably had the most success coming in year one and just being allowed to sling it instead of having the shackles on and being told do not turn the ball over, just manage the game. And he got beat up so bad the Colts lost him after six years. And he was a he was tracking to be a surefire Hall of Famer. I told Jeff there are two guys in the last twenty years that you can say were came in immediately had success and then uh, we're we're able to parlay it into winning down the road. One of them still hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. 2008, Matt Ryan, 2004, Ben Roethlisberger. The only two guys that were able to come in right away. Eli Manning sat his first year. Philip Rivers sat his first year. I can keep coming up with guys like that that didn't play Peyton Manning had arguably the worst rookie quarterback season for anyone who was successful and it arguably in the set him career back. ever. Yeah, I'd say that, I mean, you look at it, right? Quarterbacks that come in and play their first year, they're more than likely going to be bad. The chance that bad teams, the short, the chance that they are able to bounce back from such a bad year if they're in a bad situation and play better in that same situation is so rare. We saw it with Peyton Manning. We're seeing it slightly with Josh Allen. We'll see if he regresses to 2017. Josh Allen uh, at at this point, but he was horrible his rookie year. And then you look at other guys who were forced into bad situations. Sam Darnold is now just barely reviving his career. In Carolina, it looks like Zach Wilson's already off to a horrible start and might be set for that same fate. So I'm with you, Jeremy, that if you have some guy who can take the reins, you let them play. But I will say this about Justin Fields. I've heard so much coming out of training camp and practice that this dude is wowing coaches. He is wowing everyone there. So if he if those reports are true, then let him show it. Let him but play. If, but if, but uh, if you, showed a, you showed a whole no. lot on yeah, Sunday, sure. Justin. Congratulations. But if they're not, then shut up and let the kid develop. So I'm all for rolling him out for a couple of weeks or two. And if he sucks and Andy Dalton's healthy, bench him. Put him out there. I'll, I'm just going to say that because I'm at a point where it's put up or shut up time with Justin Fields. I've heard too much hype coming out of training camp about him. I need to see him. You don't think that's just desperation though? No, That's all that sounded like to me. I think there are a it's lot fair, of dumb it, it, people in the Chicago Bears organization. I'm sorry. I think there are a lot of dumb no, people. No, I every think there NFL are a lot of Bears fans that are reaching by saying that they should start Justin Fields now. I don't but think it's it, not, I but don't think they should. They're only saying that because these reporters are saying that Justin Fields looks like the second coming in training camp. They're only saying that because they had to compare him to Jay Cutler as they, the last listen, best quarterback. It, they it, had. Is it is right. He's being hyped to an incredible degree. Where I'm at a point where you, I think you do throw him out there. And if he sucks and any downs healthy, then you bench him. 
And you said I, I agree with that, but you've got to give him a chance. I was telling you guys the other day that even just in preseason, yeah, obviously he needs to develop. He needs to develop. There's no getting around that. But he looks like the most confident quarterback I have ever seen on the Bears in the pocket in his first preseason game. Uh, Trubisky, deer in headlights every time he got the ball. I think we need to give him a chance, give him a couple games to develop and see what happens. I agree. If he's not doing anything, then bench him, but give the guy a chance. You know, also lit the world on fire in his first like preseason game, first couple of preseason games. Blake Bortles, <laughs> preseason. The teams, teams don't game plan for guys in the preseason. I've been told this multiple times over and over again from whether it be Twitter accounts, beat writers, so be it. They don't game plan. All they do is they play a base defense to see how players perform in their roles. They don't say, okay, against Justin Fields, just go and send, go and play zone coverage because he doesn't know how to read a guy. I mean, that's clearly what happened when they, against the pick against the Bengals. He just flat out looked right past the guy that was sitting in front of his receiver, and he just went and picked it nice and easy. Nobody was in front of him. Like, it's just, I don't think he's ready, and I don't think there's any, the the, the notion that you, just because a guy is a first, second, or third round pick, that you have to start him immediately makes absolutely zero sense. It's stupid. Look at the, the I hate him. I said they're on my most hated teams of all time. Tried and true strategy. Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and now Jordan Love have all sat before they've gotten there. And I think Brett Favre did sit with Atlanta before he went to Green Bay. But either way, Rodgers sat for three years. Jordan Love is on his second year of sitting. And as much as I hate him, if he turns into something, man, will Bears fans be mad? Because guess what? The Packers somehow figured it out again. Despite taking a chance on a guy who was known as a boomer bust guy, much like Zach Wilson, turns out if you sit a guy, maybe it'll look a little bit better. Shocking. All right. Jeremy, if that's all you have for us, I think that's a good spot to wrap us up Last for this thing. week's episode. Um, okay. Very quickly. Home teams are 16 and 16 this year. I thought crowds are going to make more of a difference uh, coming back with full houses in the NFL stadiums. So the Chiefs, the uh, the Bills, the Seahawks, biggest losers if the home crowds don't really matter as much. Battle-tested teams, the Steelers, the Ravens, those teams will have success in road environments because they know how to deal with it. Wow. Fair enough. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me for the first episode of Sunday Superlatives. As you can see, went a bit long this week. We're going to have to find ways to trim that down moving forward, but this was a great first episode. Doc, I'll toss it to you first. If you have any socials you would like to promote, where can the people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Insta at underscore Lauren underscore Christine underscore. I know it's a lot of underscores. Wow. Three wow. underscores. Unique. Anton, where can they find you? One fewer underscore. You can find me on Instagram at, at Anton Lee, followed by two underscores after that. Oh, boy. Birthday boy. Where can we All find right. you? Big social media rebrand of our podcast, Massholes with Mikes, at Mass with Mikes. We have a TikTok. We have an Instagram. We have a Twitter. We have a YouTube now. We're going to start getting content up on the ladder. We already got posts up on the Instagram. I'm going to make fun of uh, my co-host's first pitch, comparing it to the Conor McGregor one tonight. That's going up tomorrow morning, so you should enjoy that. Then um, we got content on the Twitter already. Jacqueline's killing it with the TikTok. Go check it out. Yes. Go follow the Massholes. They do great work over there. We're very blessed to have Jeremy for us for weekly episodes and for the viewers 
Thank you for thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for weekly episodes with this wonderful crew, along with some inevitable NBA content. We've been delayed with our NBA offseason recap for a variety of reasons. But we were just waiting for Ben Simmons to demand the trade. Don't worry. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's now, now that has happened, we'll be touching on that very shortly. You'll be hearing from us uh, as the season continues to creep up on us. Stay safe. Enjoy the games this week, and we will see y'all next week. Have a good one.